in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The Patriots beat the Falcons 25-0 last night. Mac Jones! The Patriots picked off four passes from three different quarterbacks last night. Matt Ryan threw two, Josh Rosen threw a pick six, and Felipe Franks also threw an interception. You've got to be special kind of bad to throw interceptions with three quarterbacks. Do you know how I know this? I'm going to be selfish here. Do you know how I know this? What do you know? In my dynasty league, I have the Patriots. I was predicted to score 162 points this week. This morning I hit refresh. Now I'm at 200 and 206. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy I'm playing is probably really big. He probably went out there and goes, how did this guy pick up 40 points in the night? He wasn't playing any players. <laughs> All right. I have the Patriots in my league that I'm on a two-week bye. <laughs> the Patriots are 7-4. and four. They're going to lose to the Dolphins whenever I get them. Do you think they're good? Like, do you think this is a, an actual I AFC? Yeah, contender? I think they're good. I think they're good. I think it, I think they could be really good because no one's talking about them. And that guy, as a coach, when no one's talking about him, I would be wor- more worried about that guy than when when everyone's talking about him and think they're the best team. They so defensively, they're very good, and they were good before they picked off three different quarterbacks last night and had a shutout. I guess it's a matter of like Mac Jones is a quarterback. He's a game manager. Like, that's what he is. They're not winning games because of Mac Jones. He's not throwing the ball down the field. He's a game manager, and it's sort of a question of, okay, can you still manage your way to a Super Bowl? Isn't that kind of what Tom Brady did for those first couple? Oh, yes, two decades ago. Right. Can you still do that? Like, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are in this division. The Ravens' offense is in this division. More than likely, the Patriots, to get to the Super Bowl, are going to have to put up 35 points in a playoff game. Can they do that? Or I, they don't I, well, don't allow thirty five. Right, points. and that's the thing. Exactly. Is the defense good enough to stop? Right. Like, if they if they have to play Mahomes or Josh Allen or the Ravens, is that defense good enough to hold that that offense to twenty one points? And Mac Jones just has to find a way to score three touchdowns, kick a field goal, maybe. But I I still am not. I'm going to lean away from the team that has a game manager quarterback. Okay. I, I think I you will mean, always. You mean to get all the way? Yeah, to win the AFC. Okay, I, okay, I think okay. Like to me, there's no doubt they could walk in and. I mean, hell, they could probably catch the Bills. I mean, they still haven't played them yet. If they win two games against the Bills, they're going to win the division. But, like, they could absolutely beat the Bills or the Chiefs or the Ravens in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, one game and your defense is great. But if you've got to win two of those games, right, or maybe even three, depending on how the schedule breaks out. Well, your point is at some point, Mac Jones has to be more. Right, I think. Now, the defense defense is going to have a pick six in a playoff game. Then all of a sudden, you don't need Mac Jones to do a whole lot more. But, yeah, I... I, I, my assumption is always your quarterback is going to have to do more than just manage your way to a Super Bowl because, you know, the defense is so right. good. But who knows? Maybe it's good enough. Maybe it's good enough that they can shut down a Kansas City or a Buffalo or, or a Baltimore in the playoffs. If it was any other team with any other coach and their defense was good, I would 100% agree with you that, like, <laughs> yeah, no, their their quarterback <laughs> needs to step up and do something in order for them to win a playoff game. He, to me... Well, what we do compared to everybody yeah. else is instead of just running cover three each week, we just do a defense specifically designed to defeat that team, and then we win the game, and then we in, we do a different defense next week to defeat the next team. What are you saying? Gus Bradley should have changed his scheme up? 
your words, not mine. Great question. Thank you. Steph Curry hit nine threes in a game for the 38th time in his career last night. No one else has ever done that 10 times in a game. James Harden and Damian Lillard are both second. Uh, 38 times in his career, he has hit nine or more threes in a game. He had 40 points last night. Uh, the Warriors beat the Cavs 104 to yeah. 89. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Kerr. There's never been anyone like him. It's unbelievable. There's never been anyone like him. So, okay. We always do the basketball conversations around like legacies and greatest of all time. And Steph Curry's never going to join the Michael Jordan, LeBron James debate simply because he is not the imposing athlete that those two right. guys were. But I feel pretty confident saying Steph Curry is going to be one of the guys we look back on in terms of change the game of basketball. Absolutely. Like, we're going to look back and say, yeah, that guy would. Yes. That guy changed how basketball yes. is played. And not because there's going to be a, a bunch of people that are as good as Steph Curry in the future. But you see, I mean, Steph Curry does it. Damian Lillard does it. Guys that are willing to pull up from 10 feet behind the three-point line. And it's not a bad shot because they can make them at such a... It's, it's changed the way basketball is played with how good Steph Curry is as a shooter. And that, to me, and um, going way back but different sports, I do think one of the definitions of one of the greatest ever is anyone, like you just said perfectly the way you said it, is change the yeah. game. Bill Walsh changed football. To bring it locally, and Jared, you remember this, Ray Guy changed how the game was played as a punter. If you are yeah. good enough to change an entire sport to how people react and how people play, one of the greatest ever players. Yeah. I mean, there's never been anyone like this guy. Like, we don't look back and, and view Wilt Chamberlain as, like, one of the greatest, no. like, two or three players to ever play the game, but Wilt Chamberlain changed yes. the game of basketball. I mean, they had to change rules because of Wilt Chamberlain. Right. Uh, we haven't really seen uh, rule changes because of Steph Curry, but he's changed the way teams play, and he's changed the way you have to defend. I mean, you you have to defend the guy when he comes across half court, and it's it's insane that you have to do that, and when you do that, it's so much easier to score. There was, when they played um, earlier this week, I can't remember who the announcer was that said it, but they were running a pin down screen for Steph Curry to just pop out to the wing. And the uh, the the guy who set the screen literally just cut to the basket and was unguarded because both guys went with Curry. And the announcer said, it looks like they're running slant routes in warmups before a football <laughs> game. Because the guy just sets a screen and then just cuts to the basket. There's nobody around. Did he him. give the ball up? Yeah. Well, Curry, yeah. Curry never got it. I can't remember. Okay, who it was. I was going to say. Like Draymond Green had the ball. Or did he just said a better game. shot here is a three pointer <laughs> over these two people running at me. And it probably is. And it probably is. Okay. One of my favorite stats, the 1985 Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA championship. Tyler, how many threes did they make that season? Eight. <laughs> no, 90. Oh. But still, as a team, yeah. the entire team came together and went, eh, let's not let's not try these. Yeah. Will UNLV make 90 this season? Bill a tip, yes, yes, they'll tip yes. 900. Okay, yeah, yeah. all right, okay. That's that's basically like three a game. Yeah, okay. They'll, they'll make 90. All right. That's a great, great question. Bryce Harper and Shohei Otani were named the MVPs of the National League and American League. Hot take analysis question all from right. you. Do either make the playoffs next year? Bryce Harper makes the playoffs. Oh, the Phillies Bryce are Harper, finally going to do it. Phillies. Well, they're going to sign Seager. He'll put them over the top. He'll put them over the He'll top. He'll put them over the top. Here's a... Uh, Stat for you from Adam Spolane. In the last decade, the Angels have won four MVPs and zero playoff games. Two by Trout. Or he didn't get three. Did I thought three? he got three. Okay, so three yeah. and Otani. Okay. Jeez. 
Four MVPs. That is amazing. Zero playoff wins. <laughs> they're going to waste one of the greatest players who ever lived. Two of them. Two of them. They're going to waste What am I going to say? They're going to waste two of them. 25 pitchers drafted. Yes, that was that. The reinforcements that might, are coming. That might be the greatest stat ever, where they only drafted pitchers. By the that, time Otani's contract is up, those pitchers will be ready to make a difference. <laughs> I enjoyed profusely that the general manager went. Well, we were gonna, we were looking at other players, but by the seventh round, we were just like, "All right, well, you know what? We've already started this. Why don't we keep yeah. doing it?" Next question: Antonio Brown may have used. A fake vaccination hey, card? Well, whoa, this is sports radio. He used <laughs> like, the, well, I think we can definitively say. The Tampa Bay Times has a report, and it is according to his former live-in chef. Oh, good Lord. Uh, apparently, Antonio Brown's girlfriend texted that former chef saying that Brown was willing to pay 500 bucks for one. Uh, possibly a key important detail here. Antonio Brown still owes that chef $10,000, uh, according to that chef. Uh, but the Buccaneers did put out a statement yesterday saying that there were no irregularities. No, they checked all the cards. Yes, with any of the vaccination cards that they received. So okay. I will say, it is entirely possible that Antonio Brown asked for a fake vaccination card, but still ended up getting vaccinated right. once he was like, oh, I better just get vaccinated. So it still is entirely possible both things are true. Just oh, go ahead. I just want to see what his agent said yesterday was, hey, he not only got vaccinated, when he gets the boosters, we're doing it live on TV. <laughs> I still don't want to watch that. Just for, it's weirdly, I just want to. It's strange, but I want to see that. He's it's. Hey, you got to sit there for fifteen minutes while we monitor you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, once he gets the shot, we'll just look at him as he talks to people. Wait, wait, wait. When you guys got your shot, did they tell you to like move your arm around and stuff? No, no. They, they told me to go sit. Yeah. Okay, because when I went and sat for the fifteen minutes after you get your shot. There's like a nurse or whatever that's walking around who's like checking on people. But she was like, you want to keep your arm moving because it's going to get sore. And the best way to beat that is to keep oh. like the blood pumping through it. So like no. she was like telling people, just swing your arm in a circle or she just wanted people to move their arms. She so, might have. She might have. But when my 15 minutes uh, expired, I was already on the I-95. Yeah. Um, so I, just, I was <laughs> when I hit about 12, I went. Yeah, I said, well, I'm that's okay. close to 15. Feels good. I'm out. Wow. So. But the arm got sore, so maybe I should have been. You should have been. Around. You just pump exactly. it like you're waving a guy around from third. Did your arm get sore? Uh, no, not really at all. all right. I got really sick after the first shot, which was very strange. Oh, yeah, me too. I was perfectly fine after the second shot, but the first shot knocked me out for like 18 hours. Really? Yeah, it was very strange, but my arm was never really sore. Uh, my arm felt like it got hit by a bus. Yeah. I'll take the sore arm over getting knocked out for eight. Oh, no, I also got knocked out for eight. Yeah, like I got got both. I'm not very healthy. Wow, sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. You think Rob Manfred has just sort of given up on the idea that they're going to have an agreement on the CBA before December 1st? I think think December 1st they're locking him out. He gave this quote yesterday, an off-season lockout that moves the process forward is different than a labor dispute that costs games. Which So there's two things that I take away from that. Number one, he sounds like there's going to be a lockout, and he's pretty convinced of that. But also, I love that he's trying to say, well, when the owners cause a work stoppage, it's fine. But when there's a labor dispute caused by the players because they want something, that's a big yeah. deal. Costing us games. <laughs> there's going to be a lockout. The very the first six word the first six words of his statement says there's a lockout. 
an offseason <laughs> lockout that moves the process forward. It's like, why don't you just say there's going to be a lockout? <laughs> I just don't understand. He is going to get, he's going to lose. Like, there's no way. Well, technically, he doesn't lose. Oh, no. It's yeah. The he's the owners versus the players. Owners, yeah. yeah. He's just there to he's represent a meat all the shield. Yeah. yeah, is what he is. He, I mean, sure, he loses because he's going to be in that room, though, and he's going to be in that room, and Clayton Kershaw is going to make him look like an idiot. And it's like, dude, you're a professional lawyer, and the guy who suddenly couldn't pitch after all the stuff on the back of his hat disappeared <laughs> is outsmarting you. I don't think he'll care. So yeah, I'm still getting the check. What are you What are you worried about, Clayton? <laughs> get your arm fixed. Get back out there. All right, coming up next, we'll talk some UNLV basketball. Cruiser drives, has it knocked away and stolen by Baker. Baker up ahead to Hamilton. Hamilton down the left side, lays it up and in. Great hand to the front court by Baker to force that steal, 32-27. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. UNLV plays a basketball game at 9.30 p.m. tonight. We've both mapped out naps Yes. after this show. Yes. Yes. I will be taking a nap after lunch today. So <laughs> nothing needs to happen between like 1 and 2 o'clock. I'll be asleep. You, you know that some something's going to go down with it the Raiders. Does. Yes, Friday afternoon, something always happens. No doubt about it. Our show goes off the air in that oh, next, yeah, the next three hours. Yeah, something always happens. It, sure. Um, John Gruden sues the NFL. So I want, okay. I want to give you two things from Kevin Kruger so far that I, I'm a big fan of. These are very like me just liking basketball too much, but number one is Kevin Kruger handling foul trouble. Uh, he has had two of his best players, Royce Ham and Bryce Hamilton in games, pick up two fouls in the first half. The one I want to focus on those Bryce Hamilton, because he picked up his second foul against North Dakota state with 17 minutes and 10 seconds left. In the first half, Kevin Kruger sat him down and brought him back in with nine minutes and 10 seconds to play. And Hamilton went on to play six of the last nine minutes of the first half. Here's what I like about that. Kevin Kruger wasn't afraid of Hamilton picking up his third foul because what happens in college basketball player gets two fouls in the first half. He goes to the bench. And when a coach does that, they are effectively fouling their own player out of the game, right? So in basketball, in college basketball, you get five fouls. And if you commit five fouls, your punishment is you have to go sit on the bench and you can't play anymore. If as a coach, when a player has less than five fouls, I sit him on the bench for a long time. I'm effectively giving him that punishment early. I'm effectively fouling him out of the game before he's fouled out of the game. And that's stupid. Now, the reason coaches do it is because they value the final few minutes of a game more than any other part of the game, which is, you know, relatively dumb given the fact that all points scored are the same regardless of how much time is on the clock. But, you know, you in this scenario, you'd rather have Bryce Hamilton on the floor for the last five minutes than not have him on the floor for the last five minutes. But here's the question I would ask you, because this is basically the decision a coach has to make. Would you rather have Bryce Hamilton play for 30 of the 40 minutes of a basketball game, but he fouls out with five minutes to go. Or would you rather have Bryce Hamilton play for 25 minutes, but he's on the floor for the final five minutes of the game? Well, given what he's done the final five <laughs> minutes of the game, I would say 25 <laughs> minutes plus the last five minutes because he's the only one who scores in the last five minutes. I might rather have him play 30 
That's the right answer. But I, I might rather have him play 30 minutes and then foul out, and then you're going to have to start counting on someone else. We make fun of that, and it's only been three games, so it's a small sample size, but obviously he's the only one who's done anything in the last five minutes of note other than a few blocks that were really, really key by Royce Ham. Um, scoring-wise, I should have said. Yeah. I should have prefaced it with scoring-wise. I'd rather have him play 30. You you should, because 30 minutes is more valuable than 25 minutes. When it's your best player, right? If we're talking about a, a rotation player, who cares, right? But when it's your best player, one of your best players, you always want them to play more minutes. Because even though Bryce Hamilton has been awesome in the last five minutes, that's going to normalize. He's not going to continue to shoot 28% in the first 35 minutes and 59% no. in the final five minutes. That'll normalize to where he starts shooting better earlier in games and starts shooting worse later in games. So you always want the 30 minutes, but that's not how a lot of coaches approach this. Kevin Kruger, it's only one example. And honestly, I wish he would have played Bryce Hamilton more. He only got him for six more minutes, but I like that in terms of, hey, not being afraid to put a guy in with two fouls in the first half because why would you foul your own player out of the game? The other thing he's done that I've liked. So in college basketball, you get four timeouts, but you can only take three of them to the second half. So every team is going to take a timeout in the first half at some point. UNLV has yet to use a first half timeout until the final minute of the first half. Kevin Kruger has used his first half timeout with basically their last offensive possession. He's called it before then. They have not wasted timeouts this year. Now, they haven't really given up really long runs. Like, nobody's really gone on, like, a 12-0 run, and Kevin Kruger's been forced to call a timeout. That might happen tonight. They might be down 12 to nothing to start the game, and Kevin Kruger's got to take a timeout. But they haven't, had, they haven't run into that yet. But they have not wasted any timeouts this year. They have saved first half. They haven't called one until the final minute. And in these second halves of games, they've had their full complement of timeouts at the end of games as well. The only one you could argue they wasted... Uh, Keyshawn Gilbert called a timeout to avoid a jump ball scenario in the second half against North Dakota state. UNLV had the arrow. You can make the argument, Hey, don't call the timeout when you have the arrow, but it was still late in that game. And it saved a possession for UNLV because there ended up being another jump ball later on. So, so he's just relying on the medias. Yes. Which I am. I listen, if I'm the coach, I want to hold on to my timeouts until, Hey, let's call it now to set up a play in a big moment or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's what I would prefer to see. Now, again, Michigan rips off a 12-0 run at some point. You got to get your kids in order. You're probably going to call a timeout. Especially Michigan rips off a 12-0 run, and it's like, you know, Josh Baker and Bryce Hamilton screw up a ball screen coverage or something. Like, if if Michigan rips off a 12-0 run because Michigan is just really good, calling the timeout might not do you any good. But if Michigan rips off a 12-0 run because you got lost on defense three straight possessions, yeah, call the timeout and say, what the hell are you guys doing out there? So, yeah, that's sort of the big deal there. But I three games in, I think Kevin Kruger has done a good job sort of handling the, you know, the 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 fringe details of coaching a college basketball game, of of what to do in certain sort of odd scenarios that aren't, you know, the obvious ones. That's, hey, when do you call your timeouts? Or, hey, when do you sit guys that have two fouls or in foul trouble? Did we talk about his demeanor? Uh, that he, he doesn't do anything. That's, a, yeah. Yeah. I talked to him yesterday. He says he likes to... He said the first game he had no idea what to do. He was looking around. He goes, this is weird. Should I stand? Should I sit? I have no clue. Now he's figured out he likes to stand, which, as he told me yesterday, I apologize to the people in the front row because I'm going to be standing the entire game because I feel more comfortable like that. Uh, when they beat North Dakota State on the block, he did nothing. He There was no reaction. He just started walk, walking slowly to the other side to shake hands. 
I thought Adam Hill had a really good uh, description. It was like he was at a funeral procession. He's walking through saying, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Um, and I asked him yesterday, and he he said in the – he goes, he gets – he can get after him in, in the locker room. But he hasn't really understood – not understood, but he hasn't – you know, he's three games in. So, you know, he doesn't I – don't, I think there'll be times where he screams and yells. Um but he doesn't. He just doesn't seem like that type. He just seems like he's coming. I, I'm good. I'm all for that because I think kids get stressed enough. Um, I mean, Jordan McCabe must be like, uh, this is completely different with the nut job I just played for with Hoggins. Can you imagine coming from Hoggins to Kruger? He's like, are you going to talk? Because the guy I just played for never stopped. That's a, I'm, I'm stealing that question for the next time Jordan oh. McCabe talks to the media. Like, hey, what's the difference between Kevin Well, we're going to ask him on Bob. Monday because oh, we got him at 8 o'clock yes. on Monday. Yeah, we could ask him Monday. I mean, can you imagine that difference? <laughs> he, I am curious, though, like, when do we have a point where fans are like, hey, Kevin, yell at the refs for once? Like, we're getting screwed with oh, calls. Yell at the refs for fans, once. fans, they could beat Michigan tonight, and someone's going to come up with something. Well, you know, they didn't make as many threes <laughs> as they should have or something like that. So they will. he will get that question eventually. That's what I'm waiting for because it's good. they're going to lose a game, and fans are going to be like, oh, the refs screwed us, and Kevin just right. walked around over there not saying anything. Right. It's going to happen. Uh, I do have a fun stat for you. Well, it's an approximation here. In the last 21 days... Approximately 8 million people <laughs> have been tweet. born on Earth. So unnecessary. None of those yeah. 8 million people have ever seen UNLV lose a football or basketball game. Is that more outrageous than Cassie taking all credit for it because of her ring? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> also, 8 million people have been born since Cassie got engaged. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Not and even. you know there's another Cassie in there somewhere who's going to grow up wanting a ring and she's going to have to wait 10 years for it. Eight million people have never seen this program wow. lose football or basketball. Man. We were just talking about the longest stretch in program history without a football 700 win. plus days. Yeah. And now I wonder how many people were born in that time period. I'll have to go look that up. Yes. Yes, you should. <laughs> Half the Earth's population had never seen UNLV win a game. Because of that tweet, point. Jared has requested Coach Arroyo unblock you. I've had multiple people request that because, I've listen, they've won some games. I've tweeted yes. some nice things yes. about them winning games. People saying, hey, unblock this guy. Probably not tonight. You lose again. They probably won't like my tweets anymore, but <laughs> that's okay. Hey, as you as first reported on this show, they're not losing tonight. That's right. All right, hot take hot from take, Ed Grady. Hot take. Ed Grady. Coming up next, Rob Manfred joins the show. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the press box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. David, what's wrong with your dishwasher? What's that now? What's wrong with your dishwasher? Uh, well, you know, it stopped working for a while. And uh, the real problem now is that my building has a lot of rules to get the new one replaced. So I have a dishwasher that works. It's just sitting in my living room. And I have to, <laughs> I have to pay two different guys before I can put dishes in it and have them come out cleaner. So it's the glamour of New York. It's the concrete jungle where oh. dreams are made of. Wait, what rules are in place that you can't just have somebody put it in? It's different contractors and different things. So it, I have to get to get the old one taken out and to do the flooring stuff, I have to go to a general contractor. But to get the water hookup done, I have to hire a plumber. The two guys can't they can't work together. They have to be different dudes. <laughs> there's a fax number. I'm not making any of this up. Like there's a lot of stuff that is just uh I mean, maybe it would be less difficult for somebody who uh 
is more competent than me, but this whole thing just makes me uh, extremely <laughs> frustrated. Well, good luck to you. a lot of people. Good luck to you, because I was in New York last week, and my Uber took uh, like 90 minutes, so waiting on guys who are plumbers and door- floor guys, you have no chance. Yeah, where were you trying to go? No, Uber Eats. I was trying to eat. Oh, yeah. No, that is <laughs> terrible. The, we haven't figured out how to like uh, have cars in the city yet. It's only been a couple hundred years. It's well, like you got to give this stuff time. I was being really, really you know, mean to them because I ordered pizza in New York. Not that there's any of that. And uh, 90 <laughs> minutes say, later, like, the guy walk. delivered a few slices. Yeah, that is a brutal one. The, there's a Chick-fil-A in my neighborhood, a new one, and it has its own like traffic pattern built around Uber Eats. That it's like just one little part of the neighborhood basically is like, it's like Mumbai or something. There's just a million cars <laughs> occupying three parking spaces, all honking nonstop while a very nice person brings them tendies. And then the whole rest of the neighborhood is normal, but it's like it has created its own little microclimate. See, you, I know David Roth has never had Chick-fil-A because he thinks people order chicken tenders from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I know that. I, have, I told you I've had it. I had it in an airport, though, so it doesn't count. It's a zone <laughs> of exception. Like, I don't even know if it was good or not. Like, it's hard to say. I was mostly just waiting, and I, I wanted to get sweatier. Uh, all right. Do you think Rob Manfred is excited for a lockout? I mean, he could do a better job of not acting excited for a lockout. <laughs> I think that would be that would be a good place to start. Because you shouldn't have to ask this question. It's bad for the game if there's a lockout, and there's definitely going to be one. But him, like, he had some quote earlier this week where he was like, there's a difference between, like, a work stoppage, which is bad, and a lockout, which is tight and actually very cool and sick to me, in fact. (laughs) And it's all very, like, I mean, it wasn't even an attempt to sort of parse it. It was just kind of a way of signaling, like, this thing is definitely going to happen. I'm not mad about it. Uh, If you have any other further questions, I'll refer you to my earlier statement. Hey, he's, protect, he's protecting the guy who pays him millions, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just the part with, like, commissioners that's really it's the hardest thing to get your head around. I mean, I think I still kind of struggle with it after years of, of writing about it and after years of it becoming more overt. That that's the only people that he really works for. That, like, the greater good of the game, to the extent that Rob Manfred is pulling in that direction, it would be something he'd do because the owners told him to. Those are his bosses. And it's frustrating because, like, at some point, you have to be able to tell them to calm down or shut up or stop behaving the way that they're behaving. But, you know, they are billionaires with a B, and Rob Manfred is just, you know, an extremely rich attorney promoted to a job that probably doesn't suit him very well. And that's, you know, that may take a fortitude that he doesn't have. I mean, even Goodell doesn't do it, and Goodell at this point is, like, getting paid $60 million a year or whatever. You'd think that that would give you the confidence that it takes to tell Robert Kraft to relax. But maybe that confidence just doesn't exist within the man, you know? Well, we know somebody else helps Robert Kraft la- relax. Yes, we're not going to – we can't do it. It's a morning show. <laughs> um, <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> now, all right, as a Mets fan, uh, they, you guys finally hired a new GM. Congratulations on finding somebody that wants really the job. thrilling um, stuff. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed, though, that Sandy Alderson at some point in the process gave the quote that it was hard to hire a GM because the market of New York was, like, too intense and that it had nothing to do with Steve Cohen being terrible to work for. Or with the fact that the job itself is has been shrinking nonstop since they listed it. Like, when they went to Billy Bean, it was like, do you want to run baseball operations? The whole deal. Also, Sandy Alderson is still going to be there in a baseball operation job, you know, to be defined, but whatever. At this point, they hired Epler to be the GM, which is basically to go 
on TV and uh, get yelled at every now and then whenever something bad happens. <laughs> but there's not – the president of baseball operations job doesn't exist anymore. It's like that's basically Alderson. And I think that at this point, it's weird that Alderson would say stuff like that because at that point they were still trying to hire somebody, theoretically. You know, like it, it wasn't – they weren't making much progress. But the idea of it being like, you know, I guess the – People today, there's snowflakes, and uh, they're too uh, triggered. In New York City, of course, uh, there's rats. and you know, It's just like, what are you doing? Like, stick to the task. Hire a guy and then complain about how hard it was after the fact. But if you're already down to your 17th choice and you're like, we don't like Billy Epler, he's balding. But uh, he might take the job. Like, what do you, like, you have to nag all these guys? It's really bizarre to me. Is it bizarre that Alderson, or is it just reputation? Every time I see his name, I say, "How does he hold on?" It's incredible. I mean, because he, I mean, when the the Mets the Mets have this effect on people, like that when they hired him, he was this like they didn't really hire him. I mean, the league kind of forced him on the organization after the Madoff stuff, and it was basically <laughs> he was sent there to be the grown up because the Wilpons were very clearly. Like, they were put into, like, a guardianship sort of scenario. And they were like, well, this guy who, like, can tie his own shoes and has a law degree <laughs> and has held a job before is going to make your decisions for you while you guys go about arguing about boats and, like, wondering why you're not getting a 13% return on your investment every year anymore. And Alderson, so he came in as, like, the integrity figurehead. And, you know, you spend 10 years in the organization, and at this point now it's like, He's just kind of like a salty old guy complaining about, like, cancel culture and stuff. And not only does it – I mean, the game passes everyone by. You know, like, this is – he's in his, I think, 70s at this point. Yes, yes. Like, there's – you know, this thing happens to people. This is why you probably shouldn't have people in a position of power like that at that age. But there's still – like there's something else about like what happened to his reputation, and now he's the face that when you think of all the Mets clownery of you know creepy front office behavior and the you know DWIs by other people in the front office, like all the the sort of character stuff, that's him now. Like they absolutely turned his reputation 180 degrees just by the force of being the Mets. Do you think in the interview they said, and if the owner invites you to come out to a party, just say you have something going on? God, part of it. That seems like the sort of thing that it's almost hard to get mad at Sandy Alderson for that because, like, you should – you're grown. You know what I mean? Like, you should be able to, like, take a, a hint in terms of, like, when it's time to go home. At that point, that wasn't the first party that Zach Scott had been to. In his life, I mean, maybe not that day either. Given how things ended up, but it's still like it was at nighttime. Oh, uh, have you enjoyed the Yankees trying to court Carlos Correa when Hal Steinbrenner says, "Well, we should all be over it by now," and when Aaron Boone says he's become a great leader? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to work, but the, the Hal Steinbrenner experience has been incredible to see. Like my Yankee fan friends trying to sort of deal with it because he's. Like, he has that last name, and he kind of looks like his dad in the way that, like, all Steinbrenners look like Easter Island statues. Like, they just have these huge <laughs> right angle heads sticking out of a, you know, dress shirt. But he's talking like a, like a mid-market owner and stuff. He's like, you know, we got to be responsible. And, you know, of course, like, the, any of the stuff that, like, not just in terms of spending more money, although I think that's what most Yankee fans would want. And, you know, it's something that the Yankees very much could do. 
The other stuff, though, like the refusal to be petty and hilarious in the ways that his dad was. I mean, like George Steinbrenner would not have considered signing Carlos Correa. And that is not necessarily to his credit because, like, Correa is probably, you know, the best free agent offensive player on the market or, you know, one of the, you know, two or three. And yet, like, there's something about the groveling that is, like, just so. It's normal. All teams do it. And yet it is very, very un Yankees. Like, not since they signed Johnny Damon have they come this close to bringing in someone that, like, 100% of their fan base sincerely hates. I think it would be amazing if they did. So my, all right, my favorite part about NFL games that end in a tie are we always have a player that gives a quote saying, well, I didn't know this game could end in a tie. Najee Harris gave that to us last week. Two years ago, when baseball put in the ghost runner on second to start extra innings, how many baseball players found out for the first time that was a rule in the first extra inning game they played? <laughs> like when it happened? Yes. Like when they looked up there and were like, I have not been paying attention to the extra innings. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even remember that guy hitting a double. But there has to be, you know, it's ball players. So you got to figure that it's, it's a double digit percentage and it probably starts with a two or a three, <laughs> but I, I couldn't really tell you how many it would be. I, I noticed the Harris thing and was delighted by that. Cause it's like, honestly, it's pretty stupid that an NFL game can end in a tie, but it is amazing that like that reliably is the sort of thing that every time we get one, there's somebody that's like, Oh, I didn't know. That's really interesting. <laughs> I've only been playing football for like 27 years. <laughs> Well, he is David Roth from Defector. David, as always, we appreciate it. I hope your dishwasher gets fixed. Thanks, David. Thanks, guys. We'll talk about it next week. Bye. (laughs) What's worse, whatever contract or crap he's dealing with to get that put in or HOAs? That's I was literally going to go. At well, least no one's wandering by when the contracts yeah, are there with an iPad. With an iPad. <laughs> well, given you and I have been affected by HOAs, we'll stay with that because I haven't. Because usually, if I need work done in the house, the person's like there the next day. I don't have to like. And by the way, if he's a handyman, I allow him to do more than one thing. Yeah. Well, his <laughs> sounds worse because he has the dishwasher yeah. in his <laughs> house in the living room. <laughs> he just can't use it yet. Because he's got to have six people come by and fix it. So someone has to do the floor around the dishwasher, and then someone has to come and put the dishwasher in. Yes. Wow. Two different people. Good luck and in And then New York. probably probably someone from the house, like the apartment complex flex, yes. has to come by, inspect it. Yes. Give that a check mark, and then that probably has to be reviewed. <laughs> Somebody's got a different guy's got to come paint the wall around there because they chipped it. <laughs> All right, here we go. We've got two tickets to Enchant Christmas. Step into Enchant, the world's most magical light maze experience filled with holiday light displays up to 100 feet tall. November 26th through January 2nd, it's running out at Las Vegas Ballpark, and we've got a pair of tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number four at 702-364-1100. Try and create a spark. I think, um, you know, you're always... When it's not going that way, you're always trying to find the thing that's going to connect and, and click and get guys going. And, you know, it was just saying, basically, we don't need to do anything extra. We've got to do what we're coached to do and, and do it really well. We haven't thrown the ball well enough. We haven't run the ball well enough. I've got to be more accurate. We've all got to be more effective with what we're asked to do in terms of the game plan. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Congratulations to Michael. He won a pair of tickets to go to Enchant Christmas tonight. UNLV football plays San Diego State. Before we get into some UNLV, though, um, I'm looking here uh, a tweet from Doug Samuels. Southern Miss has a game tonight against Louisiana Tech. Southern Miss has a depth chart 
for their game before they play Louisiana Tech. They do not have the quarterback position listed on their depth chart. Wow, they're taking a page out of Arroyo's book. This is new analytics. They have running back, wide receiver, tight ends, all five offensive line spots. No quarterback position on the depth chart. I need to I need to uh, tape this game if possible. If it's on one of these weird CBS stations up in the three hundreds, see what that is, that's all about. That is I don't know what the context is here, but that is a hell of a way to not announce your starting yeah, quarterback. Exactly. Have no one say, on the depth chart. We, we have nobody. Have we don't have a single one on the roster. Who quarterback? No. What position is that? That's what Arroyo should have done earlier in the year before they decided on Friel. <laughs> Just not put him. That's it. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. It's like literally, instead of R, 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 R. Just blank. Just, I don't know. Let's see how the game goes, guys. <laughs> you think quarterback's important? We didn't even put it on the depth chart. I played quarterback. <laughs> I might go play. I don't know. <laughs> so UNLV plays San Diego State tonight. And here's what's fun. UNLV's defense. <laughs> I bet it's not fun. Is very bad against the pass. See, it wasn't fun. In the Mountain West, they allow the highest completion percentage, highest yards per attempt, and highest quarterback rating in the conference. But San Diego State's offense is bottom three in all three of those categories. Yep. So you have bad pass defense against bad pass offense. UNLV's run defense, I wouldn't call it good, but it is the better part of their defense. A respectable run defense versus San Diego state's been a very good rushing team this year. Very fascinating to see on that side. And then on the other side, San Diego state's the best rush defense in the mountain West. They're allowing 2.8 yards per carry 82 rush yards per game. Charles Williams is obviously the number one option for UNLV. He has 60 carries in the last two weeks uh, and is averaging 5.7 yards per carry in the last two weeks. So it is a, fascinating matchup where you were going to have pretty much every time, every time, every snap strength versus strength or weakness versus weakness, right? Either San Diego state's passing bad against UNLV's <laughs> passing defense, bad, or San Diego state's rushing good against UNLV's rush defense better. And then on the flip side, the same exact thing. Yeah. UNLV's rush offense, good <laughs> against San Diego state rush defense. Good. When's this game start? 830? 830. It'd be over by 915. There will be no passes. Oh, okay. Be, okay. Be a fun they game. Will, hey, they will just get it done. Hey. And then you can go to T-Mobile and watch that, UNLV I, basketball. I, we can I, do both. We can do both. I have to work this game tonight. <laughs> if that happens, I besides giving you props for if if UNLV wins, I, I get two you, coffee yeah. drinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, should, wait. Didn't you go to San Diego State? Shouldn't I? I went to UNLV. That's true. Oh, that's true. Double or not. Let's let's do the same thing. Don't do You're it, Jared. You're going against, against your own team. Two Jared, haters. don't do it. You're giving up 11 points against the spread. No. All right. Look, we're All sticking right. with yeah, we're sticking yeah. Cowboys Chiefs. All right. Don't this is a great stat you have down here. Charles Williams has 222 carries a season. Doug Brumfield's the next with 19. Yes. So if you're San Diego State scouting the game, like, no. First of all, San Diego State's like, that guy's not even playing. <laughs> so there's only one person who's going to run the ball the entire game. Let's just key on that guy. They kept bringing in uh, They kept bringing in their five-star quarterback recruit to run the zone read, and he never kept it. Tate Martell? Yes. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They'd bring, I think so. They'd bring Tate Martell in and just be like, and go ahead and hand it off. Well, the funny thing is, is when they bring in Chad Magier, they'll bring in Chad Magier on like uh, two minute drills and they don't run the ball once. They is pass he the it. heir apparent? He's been there. I don't know I, what year he is. So no, I, that, that's, that's the question. And, and this will be the off season conversation here. 
what what happens to the offense next year? I know. Like we don't know that they have a good quarterback. And, and they're losing their best player. The guy who has 222 carries is gone. It's his, it's his senior like, night tonight. They haven't even really given a different running back like a chance. Right. Like, they haven't even given another running back a, a chance to have, hey, that guy had eight, nine, yeah. ten carries in a game. It doesn't like, again, Doug Brumfield has the second most rush attempts on the season for UNLV. Doug Brumfield hasn't played in like two months. And he's a quarterback. And he has 19. Like, they're... They, we haven't seen, like, next year is going to be, it's going to be somewhat of a prove-it year for Arroyo. And offensively, there's going to be big question marks at quarterback. There's going to be big question marks at running back. And there's going to be big question marks on the offensive line. Like, that's it. They're so, never going to have a wide receiver. Well, when you don't have good quarterback play. That doesn't matter. Who knows if your wide receivers are good or not. They've had fairly decent They've wide receivers, receivers over the years. They yeah. just. They don't get him the ball. Johnny Stanton's been the best quarterback in the last five yeah. years for UNLV. And he he's plays full. <laughs> and he's now in a practice squad. The NFL is a fullback. So, I don't know. But, yeah, UNLV, 830 tonight. Could be a quick game. A lot of rushing attempts for everybody. Charles Williams. Does he get 100 yards? Yes.